It's like if anyone's ever skied fresh powder, right? You make these tracks in the fresh powder. It's like that when you're expressing emotion in a similar way, you're deepening those grooves. Mm -hmm. And if the only grooves you know about how to deal with anger is expressing it towards whomever you're angry with, then that's the only way you're gonna be able to release that anger or deal with that anger. And you're gonna really miss the deep wellspring of unmet needs that's beneath the anger. That's right. Welcome everybody to the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Prebo Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. everybody to this episode of the anger habit yeah and being a couple weeks into the year 2021 this might be a resolution new year's resolution for some people kicking the anger habit and in this episode i talked to again my dear friend and colleague Corey costanzo and i think we have a great dialogue going back and forth, really understanding what anger is, what healthy anger is, what's challenged by unhealthy anger. Corey tells a really cool story about him losing his anger and having some realizations around it and doing work around that episode. Also, we talk about how the subtleness of frustration comes in before anger is expressed or realized. And we go into depths of explaining that. So let me tell you again a little bit about Corey. Corey's a licensed addiction counselor and also a licensed massage and bodywork therapist in Asheville, North Carolina. He is also the co-owner with his wife, Robin, of Still Point Wellness, Asheville's premier spa. And I'm really grateful that Still Point Wellness is once again sponsoring this episode. They are the place to go to for wellness. They offer saltwater flotation tanks, certified Esalen massage, somatic experiencing therapies, and much more. And later this year, they will be expanding their facility to offer more flotation tanks, several more Esalen massage rooms, a workshop room that will be the home for Esalen certification programs, as well as many different massage, and healing courses. So that's really exciting in this expansion. So if you're living in Asheville, North Carolina, or you plan to visit, don't miss going for this experience at Still Point Wellness. And you can check them out at stillpointwell.com. And you can go ahead and use the code word PREPO, and you will get 10% off your first saltwater flotation or your first Esalen massage. Okay, folks, so here we go. Corey and I talking about the anger habit. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. All right, let's do it. Uh-huh, here we go. Hey, man, you know what I want to talk about before we start? Because I, I didn't give you credit when I was, I think it was three or four podcasts while when I talked about the idea about my Prepo's playlist, my podcast pr- playlist. And I told people because I sing on the on the podcast and, and say a couple verses that I want them to hear the originals. So I have on Spotify all the original songs that I sang. And that was your freaking idea, man, when we were brainstorming after That's our right. podcast. So everybody out there, it was Corey's idea. I'll I'll take full credit for that idea. Yeah, it was a great idea. It hit me like a burst of lightning, white lightning. And I'm excited to what's going to happen after this podcast because we have brainstorms afterwards. And and what I loved was when we were by your car, we were outside talking after our podcast and after we grabbed a bite, and we saw this couple across the street, and they were arguing. 
They were in a bad way. They were in a bad way. And she bolted. She just, you know, started walking away. And the guy was calling after her, calling after her. And we were on the other side of the street. I just looked over to him. I'm like, hey, man, go follow her. And he like looked at me. I'm like, go follow her. And yeah, you, and I was like, I was like, I was like, yeah, man, you can't let her go. We like go, go get her, man. Tell her you love her. Tell her you love her. Go on. And he started going there. And he went two blocks, and we yeah. watched. And they all of a sudden made up, and we were like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we saved a couple's relationship last time after our podcast, and we'll see what happens with this oh, one. I was so juiced and jazzed up. After that last podcast, I'll tell you, I felt it felt so good. I mean, we just came, we just did it, just really direct. I mean, there was there was no stopping, and 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 it was just it was a straight shot. Mm-hmm. It felt so good, it just came right out. So we'll see how this goes. The, I look forward to this one. The anger habit. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. So we both deal with that. Not only, of course, in our lives, our relationship, but we deal with that so much in in our work. So many people come with that challenge that how it's expressed, whether it's anger out of trauma, whether it's anger out of what we just are calling this habit, different styles of anger. And there's different philosophies, whether expressions of anger are healthy or not. You know, what, what comes up for you? around like working with anger? Well, the first thing that comes up is that it's so closely tied to the somatic work that I do. Somatic meaning body. So the my training is in somatic psychology and anger is a pathway. It's an emotional pathway of expression that literally gets hardwired into the brain and in the, and in the nervous system. So people that have a tendency towards anger or anger issues or the anger habit, if, if you know, people that find themselves locked into that angry pattern have limited choice. So it's, it's, a, it's a hardwired pattern that can be shifted. And that's, that's the important thing to realize is that with a little bit of awareness, with a little bit of work, with a little bit of information, you can shift out of that anger, anger habit, and you can find different ways of expression that are going to get needs met on a deeper level. You know, on the somatic level, what, what I'd love to say is what I'm aware of that anger, the emotion of anger is contraction. So when emotion is contraction, I always tell people, go ahead, clench your fist, clench your fist and get angry and grit your teeth. You can do it. But now relax your body, relax your body. Can you actually feel anger? I can't when my body's relaxed. It doesn't exist. So anger exists in the contraction, in, 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 the, in the energy form of contraction in the body. So that awareness of the somatic work, of having people aware, are you, are you contracting? When you're contracting, it can, that's where anger can exist. If you're not contracting in the body, then it can't be expressed. Yeah, I like to think of it like pressing a button. So sometimes I'll have my clients do exactly what exactly what you just suggested, where they'll actually intensify that contraction. And it's it, it's kind of like you know those buttons where you press it down in order to release the button. Hmm. You know, so they'll you know if I'm ever feeling angry, sometimes if I give myself a little bit of space and if I just let myself feel the anger in my body, and sometimes I'll actually express the anger a little bit more. So I'll, I'll grip my teeth a little bit more. I'll squeeze my hands a little bit more, right? And, and I'll just hang with that, I'll hang with that. And typically I hold my breath when I do that also, mm. right? And then at some point I'll just begin to release and then, oh, it'll just start to go. And sometimes that's how I'll access some of the deeper unmet needs and frustrations. Mm. And let's talk about what anger really does. because. I really believe that the the purpose of anger is to control an external threat or an external behavior. So especially in relationships, I really believe when anger is exerted is that we're trying to control the other person's behavior. We're trying to shut it down. We're trying to move it. We don't like it. So we're exerting that. Because what I have studied is that animals have anger for like three purposes, to protect their food, their territory, their young, their own safety. And now with human beings, so they, they, it's not emotional for animals, but for human beings it is. So 
we it's really to control an external behavior like animals get angry for that well we do that now especially in our relationships so it is a controlling when i am before that i feel angry if i'm able to recognize that i feel out of control then i can recognize more what's underneath it because what happens is if i express it to control something else I can be out, then I get out of control myself. I'm out of control of my own center. And it's likely to be a uh, win-lose thing that happens. Yeah, I might win because now I get to express my anger and now it's not pent up and contracted inside of me. However, the other person that's the object of my expression of anger, they're going to lose, right? Because they're going to feel shame they're likely to feel angry themselves uh, hurt frustrated scared scared fear yeah mm-hmm. right and anger anesthetizes because it, it feels powerful but it is a false sense of power because when we get angry over somebody else that's disempowering them that's not empowering them so that's not true power at all right true power is when it's a win-win situation I can express myself in a way that I get my needs met and then the other person also has some kind of insight or they get the choice to be able to um, explain themselves or uh, reach deeper themselves also. So it's a, it's a, it's a win-win model rather yeah. than a top-down model. You know, at first when we were running this by each other, the what topic that we want to do, and I ran it by you is, you know, that we'll do the anger habit. And you said, yeah, and let's do a talk about frustration too. And I was like, mom, mom, screw that, man. I don't want to talk about frustration. I want to talk about anger. And then when it sat with me, I was like, yeah, you know, those are so close together. And I think that I realized that more clearly when I was trying to fix my, this wood door that I talked about before. And I went ahead and, and pounded it and like split the wood. And I got I got so angry, it screwed up my day and I was snappy at, at, at Rainbow. And I realized that what happened, of course, was that I was actually frustrated before I got angry. That frustration is the first door to frustration is, is helplessness. I felt helpless. I'm not a good handy guy, I keep telling people, and I didn't know what I was doing or I screwed up the door. I first felt helpless, then I felt frustrated, and then I needed to take my frustration out on an object or on a person, and that's anger. So I believe that frustration is a precursor that we then try to find an object or somebody to take our anger out. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, it sounds like it sounds like we're bashing on anger, but anger is a very very important emotion to have. And I feel that what I do with my anger has the opportunity to bring myself closer in partnership and in relationship to somebody else or the exact opposite, push it away. And I want to give a personal example about that. Yeah, I want to hear that. All right. So my 11-year-old daughter has been asking for a pet pig for years, for many, many years. And then finally, about six months ago, I was talking to a dear friend of mine that created and manages and upkeeps the saltwater aquarium that we have at Still Point Wellness. It's a 120-gallon, incredible coral reef saltwater aquarium. And so um, he's a naturalist, actually, by trade. And you know, I told him about what, what Rosie really wants. And, and he just looked at me and said, oh, I've got two pregnant pigs on my farm they're about to give birth any day and I'm going to have about 11 piglets running around. He's like, you can have one of them. And they're great pigs also. They, they make great pet pigs. And I just couldn't say no. I couldn't say no to that. So that just totally flipped my reality because it was a hard no until then. But you know, if the universe kind of hands a gift to you like that, I, it's in my belief system to not say no to, to something like that. So sure enough, we get the pet pig. It's the cutest thing in the world. I mean, it's everything and more. What's your name? Ginger. Mm-hmm. And I never realized this about, about pigs, but they're actually very, very affectionate. So, I mean, what, my kid will spend hours just sitting down and just having the pig on her lap, and it's very emotionally regulating for her. 
it's like it's like therapy pig basically and i've seen a big change a big shift in my in my in my daughter's behavior and in in her self concept now that she has this pet pig in her life however the pet pig started peeing on the floor every now and again yeah you do you have a house train of freaking pig yeah oh my goodness no i mean she's really smart like literally she learned how to sit in just a few minutes she rings a bell when she wants to go outside, but every now and again, like once a day, twice a day, she'd miss the pee pad, right? She hits it 95% of the time, but then she started missing it. And I started going ballistic. And, and What's ballistic to you? What, yeah. Contraction, major contraction. So it started with like, you know, talking under my breath, squeezing my hands. Uh, when it gets really bad, I'll bite my knuckle and actually like cause a little bit of harm, you know, right? It's helplessness, feelings of frustration. And then I started, I started blaming everybody else around me. So I started coming downstairs. And the first thing I would do is check this little corner that she would go in. And if there was pee there, I would freak out. Like I would, I would start getting angry. I would start yelling. And um, what I noticed was that my family started moving away from me. So much so that when I would come down to the kitchen, I would be like looking for the pig. The next thing, next thing I know, I'd, I'd lift my head. And nobody in there. And nobody's in there. Wow. And any time that I would get frustrated or angry, everybody, you know, I have two daughters, my sister-in-law is living with us, and my wife, everybody would just bolt. And it was the classic, like, uh, dad's getting upset, you know, walking on eggshells feeling... It wasn't cool, it wasn't cool at all. And then finally there was a big explosion and I just lost it, Prepo. I lost it, I took ginger and- And I, you had like, oh, you had tons of bacon the next day. No, come on, <laughs> no. But you know, I kicked her out of the house. I, I threw some things off the back deck that she had peed on and it was all in anger. It was in serious anger. I actually hurt myself while I was doing it. I like nicked my finger on something and I was so angry that I couldn't even feel it. Like I didn't even realize I hurt myself. I went upstairs and we had this little pop-up sauna. I went in the sauna, I was hyperventilating. I was like so pissed off, I was so angry. And what I realized was that I was blaming everybody else and I was wanting everybody else to change and to fix it. And I felt justified in, in this expression of anger. I, yeah that's what anger does especially with justification right if we feel that we need to feel justified for something we need justice boy our anger can really come right right so luckily robin and i and you know, we go to our, our our own couples counseling once a week and we had a couples counseling session on it and then uh during that during that session i uh, Robin turned to me during the session and she had mentioned something that was really vulnerable. And she took a big, big jump off the cliff and um, talked about uh, something that was near and dear to me in my childhood. That was that, that some trauma that I had experienced in my family of origin. And she related it to how I'm treating the pig to Ginger. And when she said that, and I mean, it was, it was, it was vulnerable for her to say that because I could have gone either way. You know, mm. I, at, at first I really wanted to strike back at her and talk about her childhood and how having the animals in the house, you know, was similar to her childhood. And she would complain to me about, about, you know, what it was like for her growing up in a chaotic household with a lot of animals in the house. But I just buttoned my lip and I just took in her insight and I allowed myself to be open to it. And man, it hit home. It was a bullseye. You received insight when you weren't angry. Cause like, that's the big thing I think that's challenging. We don't get insight when we're angry. Insight comes or is more received when we're not angry. So I just want to put that out with people. Like don't give each other insights when you're angry. Don't say to the other person, you shouldn't be angry right now, or don't be angry right now. You'll, you'll, uh, you'll wake up the kids. The response is going to be, you don't freaking care about the kids. You didn't care about the kids last week. Don't tell me what to do. The rationalization will not happen during anger. So you received it in a calm situation so you can get insight. 
Absolutely. It was towards the end of the session. It was after we had some, some, you know, did some really good work around um, my awareness that everybody else in the family was just wa wanted to be not near me, mm. you know, and I was really taking responsibility for creating the family that I, that I don't want to have which is a family that's afraid of me or a family that doesn't want to be near me. You know, I, I that, gosh, that's the last way that I want to be in relationship and in my, in my family system, you know? So what do you say, or what did you do personally? Cause that happens to a lot of people, a lot of people that express that anger, you know, the classic alcoholic that goes off on his family and he feels so much shame and regret after he does it and says, I'm, I'm so sorry I did that. I feel awful about myself. But that expression doesn't change, right? That happens just repetitively. So you had the insight because you're like, I don't want to be that guy. How, how did it change for well, you? For me, I got support, you know? So a couple of days later, you know, and, and this is what I do. It works for me. Once a week, I do couples counseling as a client. My man. And, uh, and, and once a week, I do my own individual. I see... 17 or 18 private clients as, as a counselor, you know, myself, a lot of stuff comes up for me when I'm, when I'm, when I'm working with others. So, you know, I process that stuff in my own, in my own counseling. And, um, you know, a couple of days later I brought Robin, Robin's vulnerable insight that she had about me. I brought that to my own individual counseling and I had a breakthrough session that just rocked my world. It was unbelievable. Mm. It was, I went right back to being two years old and in the playpen. Basically what Robin was saying was that like me being, being in the playpen, which for me was like prison when I was two years old and three years old, it was like, you know, the babysitter was the playpen and it felt like prison to me. She was saying that like, I'm trying to do that to the pig. Mm. And so I had this, this recollection of being in in the playpen, reaching my arms out, bidding for for my mom to pick me up, that and, secure attachment, that you right? Need. And not and not getting not getting uh, that bid answered. It was a memory actually that that I reconnected with, and the whole somatic session, you know, body based psychotherapy session, was me with this visualization and memory in the playpen, reaching, reaching for that, for that other, reaching for my, my, my mom to pick me up and not getting it, which then, you know, this, you know, over the course of 20 minutes, you know, I'm reaching and then it just, the impulse was like for me to just give myself a hug mm. and to just be with myself and stay with myself. And that had a direct line to the anger because when, when I was getting angry because of ginger, I couldn't stay with, with those feelings of frustration, with those somatic feelings of anger. It had to come out. It started in my solar plexus and it had to come out of my mouth. And that was the only pathway for it to come. So when I had that, that session, I was, you know, in my mind's eye, I'm in the playpen. I'm two years old. I'm reaching. I'm not getting my needs met. Two years old, I don't have the nervous system built yet for self, um, regulation. Uh, yeah, for self-regulation, right? So now as an adult, when I'm having, when I'm having this memory in the session, I do, you know, have a lot of self, self-regulation. So I start giving myself that love, giving myself that self-regulation right there. And then, and it felt so good. So then, um, my amazing therapist, so she says, okay, so now picture ginger, peeing on the peeing on the on on the tile so that's what i did you know and nothing no trigger no anger just compassion for this little you know four month old amazing beautiful little being that's you know so, so helpful to my daughter she's part of the family now right this pig and it was amazing how it just just let all that anger just go. So it, you know, it was that it was that somatic work that I did, that um, you know, where I would I would stay with, stay with the anger, stay with myself, stay with the self regulation, and you stay with the anger, the feeling of the anger instead of the expression of the anger. Because I think like that's what's so important. Because people sometimes believe, like we talked about, is anger bad or it's a feeling, it's an emotion. 
where it doesn't serve and it could be unhealthy is how it's expressed. So I tell people there's a big difference between feel your anger, but then be able to talk about your anger, like talk, talk from it. Like I can tell you, man, I am so angry right now. Or I can allow myself to not have a filter and just express and get really angry and express it out. I think that that's really hard for other people to receive is the rage of that expression as opposed to me still allowing myself to feel it, but speak about it. And that's the difference. And, you know, for those of us that, that only have that one choice of expressing the anger in a violent way or in a way where it's directed at a loved one, right? For those of us that only have that one pathway that sets up a dynamic of codependency, because it's like saying, I'm so angry right now, I'm gonna project that onto you so then you could feel it and then you'll change. That's right. Yep. It, it sets up a very, and, and you know, for anyone who hasn't listened to our, our podcast uh, that we've recorded on codependency, that's a really good one to listen to really understand what I'm saying right now is that it sets up a dynamic, a family system dynamic and pattern of codependency, which can lead to um, low quality of life and, and just a lot of, a lot of bad things happen yeah. to family systems that have like, you know, codependency patterns. Because just like you said, that anger, which is about control is forcefully changing something that you don't like. And when you do that, you set up that pattern because then somebody's got to be on the receiving end. And right, and it's going to come out sideways in some way, shape, or form. They might get it. Okay, he's pissed. You know, I can change because of that. But deep down inside, there's going to be some resentment and it's going to come out sideways. That's right, yeah. And some of that, that part of resentment, it's either going to come out in withdrawal of love. It could come out in a passive aggressiveness. It can come out with anger coming back. It can come out with withdrawal of- Sex. Sex, exactly. And walking on eggshells and not, and you lose the ability to trust on the foundation of the relationship. And then contempt starts to set in. There we go, right. That That's that slow burner that I talked about my in one of my oh. last podcasts that, that you like that one. I listened it. to that one in the car a couple of days ago, Prepo. Mm. It, it was a game changer for me, man. Yeah, right. Yeah, because yeah, contempt is this slow, boiling, dehumanizing aspect of I'm better than you. It's more than judging. It's it's a it's a real slow poison that is very very hard to shift and change when it when it gets solidified in a relationship. So you wanna you wanna stop before it gets into contempt. And so what we're kind of talking about is these phases around helpless feelings of helplessness, frustration, anger, and then it can get into into contempt and you don't wanna get there. And a lot of people are st stuck in this cycle, again, around the expression of anger. And just, you know, we, we were talking earlier that I think it's important, as I said, I don't, we don't wanna say that anger is a bad emotion, because I don't think that there's any bad emotions. It's just about, if I'm expressing anger is it healthy for my relationship? Is it appropriate at times? Is there other ways for my expression? Because I've heard and been part of expressions and therapies of anger release. Get out your anger. Primal go, scream. Primal scream. Go slam that pillow and over and over. And you know what? It can have its place to get it out, especially people that have never experienced their anger before. It's good to get it out. Catharsis. Yes. But it becomes a habit. And we're talking about anger habits. So I've been with clients that have talked about, yeah, man, I've done so much anger release work, so much, I've hit so many pillows and done it. And I look at them, I think about them, and I'm like, yeah, man, and you're an angry person. Because the expression of an emotion does not mean all of a sudden we're gonna get less of it. It's actually the opposite. The, the more that you express anger, the more angry you're gonna express. Because I tell people, like, does that work for for joy or 
laughter, the more that you express joy or laughter, then you'll purge it and you'll never feel it again. Bullshit, right? (laughs) The more that you express joy and laughter, you're going to express more of it. Yeah. So it it doesn't discriminate from one emotion to the next. Right. So the more you express an emotion, the more you are going to be expressing it. So we have to be careful about expressing a lot of anger. Right. It's like if anyone's ever skied fresh powder, right? You make these tracks in the fresh powder. It's like that when you're expressing emotion in a similar way, you're deepening those grooves. Mm -hmm. And if the only grooves you know about how to deal with anger is expressing it towards whomever you're angry with, then that's the only way you're going to be able to release that anger or deal with that anger. And you're going to really miss the deep wellspring of unmet needs that's beneath the anger. That's right. And that's why I think like, I talk so much about visualization on my podcast. And that's why I think it's so good to go back to a scenario that we got angry about. And if we can play that movie right to that feeling before we expressed our anger and we can slow it way down, you know, what were we feeling? And if we know what we were feeling, whether it was helplessness or whether we were feeling frustration or we were feeling sadness, or whether we were feeling fear, uh, you know, fear of somebody leaving and instead I got angry at them because I didn't want them to leave. If I can understand that at that moment, I can then replay that movie to actually now, instead of expressing that anger, let me express those other emotions that was underneath it, the need that wasn't met. Can I instead, instead of getting angry saying, hey, I'm really afraid that you're going to leave me right now. And I feel so sad and scared about that. Now, if I play that over and over, now I have this experience that I can actually express what was more true to me. And I don't have to repeat just an automatic reaction of anger. So there's so many ways to work with anger based on how we expressed our anger before. And I think that that's so important that people don't, you know, it's not that you don't have to feel trapped because there is this feeling with frustration that we feel trapped and stuck. And it's like revving an engine in neutral. That's what frustration is. Mm -hmm. Anger wants to put it in action. We get to displace it onto something and someone and rev it, you know, go a hundred miles an hour on it or whatever. So it's really recognizing that there's many ways to express it before it's actually expressed to the tone of onto something or on another object. What advice do you have for people that might be feeling frustrated in their relationship or feeling angry in their relationship or even getting towards that sense of contempt? Any any practices or any anything? Yeah, well, I really, I think it's so important to be able to have unexpressed expression without it being interrupted, without it being a form of a debate. Mm. To create a safe container and say to your partner, hey, I have some things that I'm really feeling that I wanna talk with you. Are you available? I wanna talk for about five minutes. Are you willing to only listen? When we do that and we're not like then revving up and gonna go and just bullseye onto that person and just splurt it all out and vent, I can talk about my frustration or my sadness or my fear. It's not being interrupted. When it's interrupted, that's where escalation happens. The back and forth, defensive, and then it gets angry. Or if I feel angry and I say, I'm really angry that you did this to me or this betrayal. And if it's just witnessed, it's, it can just be witnessed for, for that moment. And it's not gonna be escalated. So a lot of times, Anger is expressed because we hold it and we hold it and it gets pressurized and then boom, it just comes out. So this is a way to be able to preempt that explosion from happening by creating a container to express where you're coming from. I love it. I love it. That's, that's, that's really fantastic. Yeah. Robin's been asking me, um, for some, for some dates, for some solo time where we're not talking about business. We're not talking about the kids and, you know, just some just some intimate time and that's the time to do that stuff mm-hmm. i remember it was over the summertime and I, I was feeling a little alienated with rainbow and she was out on the balcony looking at the moon and i went out and i said you know i i'm feeling some things will you give me some space to to express it 
We're outside on the balcony, full moon, and I started expressing some of my feeling of disconnection to her. She was so appreciative that I expressed it to, so that so that I would be known, so that she knows where I'm coming from. I didn't blame her. I just expressed some sadness, some frustration, gave some little examples, and um, instead of defensiveness or her getting angry, appreciation came from her. Because it's like, well, thank you so much for telling me what's going on for you. And she knew it was vulnerable, that I took a risk. And that's the other thing that, you know, watch if you all of a sudden you get angry at your partner that's expressing their vulnerability. That's a, you know, that's a safe, sacred space. Instead of you getting concluding and judgmental and critical of it, it's a big risk for somebody to express where they're coming from. And in a dialogue, if you're learning how to own your expression, and not blame it on the other person, then you could be understood. You know, here's one also, is to sit with the anger and perhaps sit with it for a whole day. Some folks, myself included sometimes, when I feel angry, I've got to get it out. I've got to direct it. And I almost feel like I'm being inauthentic if I don't do that. Hmm. But when I, the times when I could sit with it and hold it and I actually do this in owning my own company. You know, Robin and I co-own Still Point Wellness and we have a staff of 17 people. And, you know, there are some times where something will happen and I'll feel frustrated with somebody and I'll just sit with it. I'll sit with that frustration for a day or two and not say anything. And so many times what will happen is that frustration will get neutralized in some kind of way where when I do speak directly to that person, it's from a very neutral place and a place of curiosity. And then good so things sitting happen with from it, that. Sitting with it is different than like ramping and ruminating about it, right? Right, right, yeah. right. Sitting with it is more of like giving it space, breathing into it, breathing with it. Another part of that sitting with it, what I do is I actually ask myself, what am I really feeling sad about? I always feel there's sadness underneath anger. And underneath sadness, there's grief. And I think that they're one and the same emotion. They just show it in different ways. I think that anything that I recall that I get angry about, I know that that I can feel sad because an unmet need, an unmet expectation, something happened, like I was telling you, uh, a friend of mine, how he ghosted me on a text that I sent him for a month. I got angry about the response that I got back, underneath it, I'm sad. I'm sad that I felt disrespected. I was sad that I wasn't seen the way that I want. I was sad that I didn't get an apology mm. instead of being angry. And then there's underneath is the loss, like the loss of that connection feeling or loss is loss. Doesn't matter if it's, if it's a life or a dream, it's a loss. Because we all know that like even in a death, one phase of, of somebody dying is anger, even facing our own death. We can get angry at the person that died. We can get angry at God for taking somebody, but underneath it is right because of the loss. Mm -hmm. So I think if we can sit with the feelings of sadness, yeah. fear, grief, that really changes the dynamic of anger. And that takes practice. Yeah. That didn't come easy to me in the beginning, yeah. you know, just mm -hmm. little by little by little. Of course, daily headspace meditation that I do. That app has been a game changer for me. I talk about it on every single podcast <laughs> I do with you and I'll do it again. That's what I use every single morning, headspace. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. really helps me to be able to um, have that emotional intelligence to be able to yeah. uh, not react and just really sit, sit with and be patient with different sensations and feelings and yeah. emotions that I'm feeling. We already talked a lot about what the breath does, but that's a key also is around taking good nostril in exhales and inhales yeah. so that you engage the parasympathetic nervous system right. that, that engages the relaxation so that whatever it is that you're feeling contracted inside of your body starts to dissipate and that the relaxation response comes. So it's a cycle to break the cycle of the rumination of the anger you know, I remember when I would get angry, my grandma said, count to 10, count to 10. Mm -hmm. She was really smart. You know, she didn't tell me to take deep breaths that count to 10 and everything. But when I do that and slow it down, that is just an apparatus to get more awareness. Because when people are in their anger, they are not intelligent 
We are not rational. We have to get into our their frontal neocortex that we have more rational aspects to yeah. to be able to access. Yeah. You know, this concept of biomarkers I want to talk about for a second. It's uh, it's a concept in, in somatic psychology that can be really helpful to understand. And it's like using the anger as a biomarker for something that needs to shift. If I'm like squeezing my hands and if I'm feeling pressure in my chest and if I'm feeling hot, those are biomarkers that tell me that I'm frustrated. If I hear myself saying things under my breath, if I catch myself having contemptuous thoughts about my partner or somebody else, those are all biomarkers that tell me I need to shift something. Mm. Yeah, that's an awareness tool is this concept of biomarkers. So I would encourage anybody out there listening, what are your biomarkers of anger? What happens with you when you get angry? I know for me, you know, this is kind of just a, a reflection of awareness of it, but I know that anger makes something or someone else responsible for what I'm feeling. And therefore it also lightens my psychic burden. Right. So that's where it becomes this habit because I like the relief of this, of the lighten my psychic burden. But when I go ahead and direct it and I feel that they're responsible for this anger. You know, we hear it all the time. You made me angry. Mm. You made bullshit. Nobody makes you do anything. You feel angry, but placing it onto someone else, boy, that's like justification right, right. there. That right. now we have a source of it. Not, we're not taking any accountability and responsibility. And that's the first step is taking accountability and responsibility for your anger, not placing it on somebody. It doesn't matter what they did. You, we have choices of how we respond. That's right. It's it's a codependent pattern mm-hmm. right there. Like I'm angry right now because somebody else made me angry. No, it's a choice. And, and, and anger happens to be for a lot of humans. Anger uh, is a very limiting choice. It's like a lack of choices. It creates a lack of choices. The, uh, well, I should say the, ex- the direction of anger towards another individual in an unhealthy way is more often than not, I find that it's because that person had a lack of choice because there was no other way that they could, that they could express their anger except to unleash on somebody else. And really it's not fair. It's right. not fair to do that, especially to children, Yeah, you know, and mm-hmm. in family systems, it really sets up, it sets up a very bad dynamic and very, very bad modeling mm-hmm. for those children. Because what you're really doing is you're creating, you're, you're leading with, with fear, leading with a heavy hand that sets up a child's nervous system to respond in a certain way. And then, you know, children can start compensating in all sorts of, in all sorts of ways. I grew up in a household where there was a lot of anger thrown, thrown around. And I used to stutter as a kid because I was the kind of kid that I, I was very sensitive and I would internalize a lot of that stuff and I would be really angry myself because I felt so scared and I would just squeeze. I would compress it all in. Mm. And as a result, I, I stuttered. I just did it right there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you did. Luckily uh, I could laugh about it now. Uh, <laughs> mm. How else does it show up? with kids when they, ex, when they express that internalized fear. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of times kids will project it onto other kids. So, you know, you'll get like behavioral issues or bullying, um, how they treat their pets. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It'll come out sideways. Mm-hmm. I mean, even in like society, you know, like when we get angry at establishment and so forth. Okay. I get it. There's this feeling of feeling not in control or, or helpless. And then we want to feel our power again to motivate and take action. But we got to be really careful about like keeping that anger. I remember right after the bombing, the trade center and when the U.S. went ahead and, and what was it? The shock and awe, you know, like 2001. And and I was in New York at a big anti-war rally, huge, you know, we wanted to stop the war and people were angry. And the anti-war is like, they were against the war. And I remember walking around and feeling this anger and this energy. And I was like, whoa, man, like, actually, this is not what I want. I want to be for peace. Like, I, you know, the opposite of war to me was peace. And I thought, okay, we're, we're for peace. 
But anti-war was anti that energy and it was just met with, with anger. Mm. It, wasn't, it wasn't peaceful. And so it made me also kind of just realize of how the uh, reciprocate anger to get out of feeling helpless or out of control that we can justify. A lot of people were justifying their anger to the government. I think we gotta be really careful about how that's expressed. Mm. Yeah. We see it all the time now on social media and so forth. It's a lot of angry responses. Yeah. We're not taking responsibility at all of how it's landing mm. at all. And we're hiding behind it because that's what anger can do too. We can hide behind our anger through martyrdom or some other things that we can hide behind and how it comes out. We were reading an article about anger styles. Mm -hmm. We have different anger styles. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Maybe we should talk about a couple of those anger styles. Okay. This, is, this is thanks to uh, Randy Gunther. And what, what's the, what was the article that we read? Uh, how anger affects intimate relationships. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So we have snapping. 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 Oh, yeah, I know that man, one. Right? Yeah, man. And snapping, when you really think about that, you know, when people snap, I mean, just think of like that. That's like an animal, right? Just like snapping at, at you. You don't know where it's coming, when it's coming. And there's there's no sense of, of safety in that at all. I When I deal with couples, you know, they talk about that. Well, you just snapped at me. I call it biting. When Raymond and I do it, we, we like bite at each other. Uh. And our antidote to that is appreciation. It's like, well, man, we've been snapping at each other. We haven't done our appreciations. You know, we mm. haven't focused on that or we haven't had sex in a little bit. That's mm -hmm. it. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, I resonate with that one. Mm -hmm. With uh, snapping, it's like, it's like a warning sign, right? Do not approach, mm -hmm. back off. It's like rapid fire, you know, and, and, you know, if someone's got that style, then, you know, eventually the other person, the, the other partner is going to eventually pull away or respond with their, with their own oh. anger, anger style. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's another anger style? Nitpicking. Nitpicking. Oh man. That's just like that constant criticism that comes. And again, I think what, what that is, is right. We're trying to control another person's behavior. Right. You know, it's basically saying you got to do it, you know, the way that I feel that that's best. And that's why nitpicking just just constantly grinds at the relationship. Yeah, it's all about resentment by using sniping, uh, sarcasm, criticism, nagging, mean-spirited teasing, mm. snarky comments. Yeah, someone who nitpicks, they want their needs to be met, but they're unable to ask for them directly. I think yeah. that's the key with that one. So that's kind of like being this like adolescent development in some way, you know, we're not expressing our needs in a mature way. And that's where nitpicking come, can come out. Right. And a lot of these behaviors that we're talking about, anger expressions and anger styles are learned way early on. So if it's learned from being a child, then we're not adulting ourselves at all. We're not expressing what's going on for us. Right, yeah, exactly. It's modeled in the family of origin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So another one is slow burn and eruption. Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, right. That just allow that like rumination to take place, and and I think that slow burn is not catching it. You know, I did a podcast with Greg and his girlfriend Cindy, and they talked about in their new relationship catching all the little things and naming those little things. Don't let it just simmer, and then the whole kitchen sink comes out. So it is talking about you know oh, that really kinked me a little bit, just a little bit. Let me bring that up, and I don't have to bring it up with a lot of charge because if we bring it up earlier it won't have that charge and we can bring it up with much more rationality much more respect right and that definitely takes practice and that and that takes setting up time and this is why robin always uh, you know she's asking for more dates for some weekly dates where we can really be intimate with one another and go a little bit deeper with 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 one another and she's absolutely right man yeah, and got some work to do. Well, and when we're connecting on through dates or things that are bringing us in connection, we really don't want to snap at somebody and get get angry. You know, the more that we're in connection and the more that we're in 
positive experiences with each other, then we're not these like distant roommates as as partners. And all we're not talking about just the, the stress of the day and all of the things that we have to do in the checklist. And that's not, that's not having your relationship as, a, as an oasis. And the relationship should be a place that you can really go to for that peace and that solace instead of it being hot, you know, bringing in the high stress all the time. So spending time with each other that's enjoyable can really also combat some of this anger styles of snappiness. And, right. Mm-hmm. It's the antidote. Mm-hmm. I love antidotes. But <laughs> <laughs> well, the next one's a good one. Rapid fire extermination meant to annihilate the other partner's status in the relationship. Wow. Oof. And and I see I see that with couples too. They just go at it and they don't stop. And it's almost like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna get you down, I'm gonna get my my foot on your neck, you know, that mm-hmm. that type of thing. And or and, and some of the things that are said in that, you can't take that back. And boy, if you go after the juggler, if you go after to annihilate, yeah, like you said, you cannot take those words back. Right. And then I hear couples say, one of them would say, but I didn't mean it. Bullshit. Mm. You said it. It came out of your mouth. You don't, most people don't have Tourette's. You know, it comes out. Some part of you meant it. The hit and run. Mm, what's the hit and run? It's like angry partners that are fearful of their partner's response. They'll want to express their own negative feelings, but they'll just rapidly disconnect before facing retaliation. Yeah, there you go. So like it could be something like you're at a dinner with your family and right before you get to the door of your of your mother's house, you get out some anger and then the doorbell rings and you got it and you can't express yes. it. Like showtime. <laughs> your partner right. can't come back. It's like, yeah. yeah. So it's like it's escaping. I'm going to go ahead and jab you and then run. Right, right, yeah. right. I see that sometime on the uh, counselor side, you know, when it's like five minutes left. <laughs> You know, and then there's just a bombshell that's dropped. Yeah, I know. That happens like, what do you want me to do with that? It's like, come on, people. Like, you know, don't bring it up in the last five minutes. Give me some more time. Give me some more time. (laughs) Yeah. All right, what else do we got? The cold withdrawal. Hmm. Patronizing robotic silence during their angry interludes. Yeah. And we all, you know, a lot of people experience that, that cold withdrawal. You know, we can tell you're, I know you're angry at me. I know you're angry at me. And like, I'm not angry. I'm not angry, but they're stewing underneath it. And it's just this, you know, coldness. And again, it's the inability to express really what's going on and the fear of conflict, conflict avoidance, Mm -hmm. because many people don't have the good experience that conflict is there for understanding to be able to move through it. That's why we have conflict. So if you don't experience repairing well in conflict, you're definitely going to Go ahead and and have that anger style. Right, I experienced that a lot as a kid, and oof, it it, it was a tough one for me as a kid. You know, it was like that cold shoulder. Sometimes it'd be two or three days, and yeah, um, yeah. yeah, that's that's a that's a tough one mm-hmm. for me personally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you all, I would imagine that you were then on hyper alert, and the level of anxiety was really high because you didn't really know when it was going to come out or really what was. You know, when when people say to one another, how are you? And they go, fine, fine. And you know that they're not fine. Mm. And there's one aspect to that is just like, man, say if you're not fine. Say, right. say it. Don't play that game of, you know, not being truthful. And you know that you're not fine. And don't let the other person have to read your mind and play all those games. Be direct with each other. Yeah, there are a few more. You, know, you want to knock these out or? Well, go ahead. Just name them. All right. Martyrdom, which you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Bank shots. What's a bank shot? A bank shot is like bringing in the troops for additional support. You know, if they like, you know, they're bringing someone else's opinion. Triangulating. Yeah. Bringing, like my mother said, you do that shit too. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the last one is revenge. Ooh. Yeah. That's a deep one. Because a lot of people stew in the revenge. Yeah. I mean, a little bit when I was telling you about a friend that didn't re, you know, uh, respond to my text. Part of my revenge was like, all right, man, I ain't gonna respond to you in a month. Yeah, <laughs> and like yeah. that sense of revenge. I think that that's taking back my power, but that's not taking back my no. power at all. No. And so, recognizing these styles are really important because 
awareness. We talked about that in codependency. The first step is awareness. When you have awareness, you can change. If you don't have awareness of what you're doing, you have no idea what to work on or what to change. Yeah, and you can see how some of these can be so debilitating in relationship, like that last one, revenge. You know, someone seeks to really to annihilate somebody's character, you know, and some of that stuff cuts really, really deep. So if anyone's finding themselves on the, on the receiving end of revenge or on, you know, any of these, any of these like, you know, deeper styles, styles of anger, you know, you know, let that be a wake up call for some work to be done, you know, for some, for some deep reflection, some deep conversation and, you know, really talk about this stuff with your partner. Hey, so a follow-up podcast that you and I could do would be about what to do when you're on the receiving end of anger. Like what's our work on the receiving end? How to respond to anger? Because mm. we're now talking about the anger habit to dive in and explore how to respond right. to anger in your life. Ooh, I think that'll be really helpful. Sweet. So yeah. we'll do it, baby. All right, let's do it next yeah. time. Yeah, thank you, man. Yeah. Thanks again for this exploration. Right. Yeah. I love just, you, man. I love you. I just love what we, when we're together and how we talk and, uh, looking forward to our conversations after this and maybe we'll be able to tell another story about it by the way that was a great story about your pig but it's a real bummer that it's uh pissing around your house and you know what the craziest thing about this whole thing was what right after i did that amazing session that breakthrough session i call it with my therapist ginger stopped pissing in the kitchen what yeah (laughs) It was so ironic. It was crazy. It was crazy. I just couldn't believe it. It was like me and the pig just had this had this understanding now. So she hasn't pissed in the kitchen since that? She has all? not pissed in the kitchen since that session. Wow. Yeah. So, man, you should, like, do your own sessions when you want to just change people's behaviors and shit and that you're close to. You'll just change it without them even knowing. Say that again. <laughs> I, said, I said, you just go ahead and just do your own work in your therapy session and then you'll just change other people's behaviors. Exactly. And that goes back to the number one principle of therapy that I remembered in graduate school, family therapy. When one person in a family system changes, by nature, the whole family system has to change. In, in what direction? I have no freaking idea, but it's got to shift. It's got to shift. Yeah. Exactly. And I tell my clients that all the time. And, you know, I tell parents of teenagers that I work with also, you know, because a lot of times parents, you know, they want their kid fixed. You know, they, they want their kid better. They want their kid happy. They want their kid whole. And many times I tell the parents, hey, get yourself some support also. What kind of support are you getting yourself? Because when one person in the family system shifts and changes, then by nature, the whole system has got to shift and change. Sweet. And it works for animals too, I guess. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. All right, brother. Thanks, Take it man. easy. You too, baby. Hey, thanks everybody for listening to this episode on the anger habit. I hope you got a lot out of it so you can really understand it in depth and be able to learn ways to transform that energy that is more connecting and healthy in your relationships. So don't forget to go to my website, prepo.com. You can contact me for any inquiries around my services of counseling and consulting. You can check out some of the guided audios that we have up And we will be expanding our relationships. Let's learn about it section at the end of the month. I'm really excited about. You can follow me on Instagram at Prepo Toplitsky. And as I talked about earlier in the podcast with Corey, if you want to listen to any of the original songs that I have sung some of the verses on my past podcast, you can check out the show notes and I have a link to Prepo's podcast songs on Spotify. Okay, everybody. Remember to be deeply kind to yourself. Have a lot of self-compassion so that you will have a wellspring to give it to others. And that's what we need in these times. Way more tolerance than what's going on.
We've got to step up in our communication skills, our listening skills, our heart opening skills. And I support all of you in doing this. Sending my love to you. And I hope you make yourselves a beautiful day. Relationships. Let's talk about it is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting, PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more on licensed counselor Prepo Teplitsky, visit heartsharecounseling.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling and psychotherapy, medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice. Thank you.